if this helps one person, then I'm, you know, a happy, happy person. I'm, you know, I want to invoke change and I want to empower people and particularly women and mothers. They, they can get help if they need it and, they can, and what they're feeling is mm-hmm. normal. You know, you're not a bad person for having certain mm-hmm. thoughts. It's normal, you know, I want that to come across. And the fact that, you know, mental health issues can affect anybody, like it doesn't matter who you are in life, where you're born or your upbringing or your parents or anything, you know, social status or monetary status. If your brain is wired that way, that will happen to you. And there's no shame in that. That's the biggest thing, I think, like this shame thing that we're also afraid of saying Mm -hmm. we need help. Help Me See is a podcast that redefines the word vision. Through vulnerable and real conversations, my own private introspective ramblings about the things that I think about in the wee hours of the morning, and my deep core belief that your nothingness is your everything, and all you have to do is see. I'm Bianca Mora, I'm your host, I am an educator, a photographic artist, and I believe that your daily photo habit can be the key to unlocking the ability to be more present in your everyday life and live deeper into your intention and purpose. We're not about the small talk here. Grab your coffee, get cozy, and let's talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Help Me See. Today on the show, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Allison Newman. She is the host and creator of the Art of Being a Mom podcast. And she's a singer and songwriter, a mom of two, and enjoys honest conversations with artists and creators about the joys and issues they've encountered while trying to be a mom and continue to create. Themes like mental juggle, changes in identity, and how their work is influenced by motherhood, mom guilt, cultural norms, and the patriarchy, feminism, and the value that society gives the artistic mother. In our conversation, we we touch on the mental health struggle of postpartum depression. Um, that's something Allison and I share in common. We both experienced that. So just a heads up there. But really, what I want to pull to the forefront of this conversation is this idea of taking action before we think that we figured out our best laid plans. You know, I think that there's a lot of times where we say, I will be happy when this, or um, I will start working on that once this part of my life feels more settled and X, Y, Z. And all of that is full of logic and, you know, good sense. And then it is also crippling and paralyzing, right? Because when is there ever a good time in life to get uncomfortable and start something new? You know, I, an example that comes to mind is I remember (laughs) last year or the year before, no, I think it was last year. I had this idea in my mind of wanting to do a new style of photo session. And for months, I had thought about 
how I wanted it to go and what I thought it would be like. And when I finally went and I went to a, a couple, a friend of the family, and I wanted them to be the pilot of this brand new session type that I was creating. I went there and I did it and it felt off. It just didn't feel like the way I thought it would. Granted, I don't know that one try is, you know, seeing it through as much, but it just had a very knowing piece inside of me that was like, yep, no, this isn't, this is a little bit off from what I thought it would be. Now I spent months glorifying this idea. I spent months thinking this is going to be amazing. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being wrong, but think how fast I could have gone on to the next thing if I would have taken action sooner. (laughs) Right. Right. So there's that part of the conversation. And there's also the part of the conversation where it's about worthiness too. It's about wanting to be able to show up in your utmost you know, form in your, in your best self skin. And that's wonderful and fine and good and well enough. But at the same time, I think that we need a reminder that no matter what is happening and no matter what time it is, you are enough. Full stop, end of the sentence, nothing else. You are enough. When I was a little girl, like super little, I remember my teacher told my parents once, it's one of my first ever things that I remember. Oh, she's such a sponge. She just soaks it all up. And my mom would tell that to, you know, all our family members that like, oh, her teacher said, you know, as they would normally ask, like, how is she doing in school? And oh, her teacher says she's like a sponge, you know? And what's so funny about this is that my parents were not the type to put pressure on me. They were never, you know, oh, you're, if your grades slip, blah, blah, blah. Never, ever, ever. In fact, I distinctly remember coming home with like a D on a test and I was crying and they put it on the fridge because they thought it was funny. Like it's, but just the praise, just the, uh, oh, she's doing so well or whatever automatically instilled in me the way I interpreted it was, oh, this is, they love this. So from that point on, it was like, I've been wildly uncomfortable with even the possibility of meeting expectations. It's not enough for me to meet expectations. I want to go above the expectation. And at this point in my life, it's exhausting and Something I'm really looking at reversing. Maybe not reversing. Maybe that's the wrong word. Not reversing. But it's something that I really want to put down. And the last thing I'll say about it before we get into the show is that, you know, what's so strange is that I'm, you know, 30 something years old now. And I never realized this about myself until very recently because my circumstances and the container in which I grew up 
wasn't like a big red flag. I didn't, you know, have a super hard childhood. I didn't this, I didn't that. It all is so nuanced that it was hard to recognize. And I think that's a really important, um, it's kind of ties this up with a bow, this whole idea of how important it is to come as you are and to be unapologetic with your story and your truth and how, and just knowing how beneficial it is to share that. Because even if you don't feel like your story or your work or whatever is this extreme or exciting or, you know, show-stopping, whatever, there is so much healing and comfort in the mundane and in the middle ground. There's so much that so many people can connect to and say, oh, wait, hey, that's, that's actually me. I didn't have this crazy thing happen to me. And I'm not this, you know, world champion or whatever, what have you. But I can find some of myself in your story. Uh, and it's so helpful. Like the reason I was even able to recognize this part of myself that I really want to heal now is because I was listening to a podcast where someone, I don't even remember, she had just referenced like off the cuff. It wasn't even part of the, the point of the conversation, but she had just referred to something and called it a codependency. And I was like, oh, wait, what? Codependency can look like that too? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a fucking minute. Anyway, so that's my spiel. That is why I feel so strongly about having conversations about nothingness and everythingness because I think there is so much power in all of it. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to learn more about Allison, head over to the show notes. I'm going to put her links there. And um, if you ever in general just have a comment about the show or you loved it and you want to leave a review, um, it would be greatly appreciated. I think that helps more people find the podcast. I don't know, something with algorithm. And uh, you can do that on the bottom of Apple Podcasts. And then also, if you do enjoy this conversation, make sure you hit subscribe so it doesn't get lost in the ether and you can see when new episodes come out. You never know what you're going to get with this podcast. <laughs> All right. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Help Me See. Today is a special day. We have Allison Newman on the podcast. <laughs> and Alice, I have been a guest on Allison's podcast recently, rather recently, and it was just a pleasure of my life. So I'm so excited to have her here. Welcome, Allison. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Allison has um, the Art of Being a Mom podcast, and I will I will hand it over to her to kind of talk about what that podcast is about, even though it sounds self-explanatory, but just really the origin of it, how it came to be. Um, and then we'll just go from there. Cool. Well, yes. So the art of being a mom or the art of being a mom, if you want to <laughs> clarify, it's for everyone in the world, not just Australians and English people. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I chat to mothers who are creatives or artists. Um, and that's not limited to sort of visual art or music or 
or, you know, painters, anybody that creates anything. So I've had business owners, I've had people who've, you know, made things that you might not necessarily think artist. So um, I believe everybody is artistic. So pretty much anybody, anybody that does anything is using some sort of creativity to make things work. Um, so, yeah, I had this idea that during the lockdown, um, we had a few lockdowns over here, but during one of them in particular, my husband was working from home, my children were at home, and I was finding it really, I was finding my space really squeezed, um, my creativity was like literally the space that I had to work in was getting smaller and smaller because all these other people were in my house. Um, and I I went out for a coffee one day and I was just driving along. All of a sudden, you know how things just hit you, like you get like a spark. Um, it was like, how are other mothers doing this? Like how is it, how, how collectively is society continuing how is the world still spinning and, right now? You know, and mother and keep the house clean, like all these things. It was literally, it. I just went, how is this happening? So I started asking people. And then as I was asking them, I thought, you know what, if I'm interested in this, maybe other people are interested in this. So I thought, right, I'm going to record it. I've got all this recording gear because I write music and, and record. So I've got all the stuff. It's like it's sitting here. I may as well be using it. So I started reaching out to um, mums who were in the music industry because I thought, look, ease myself in gently. <laughs> I've never done anything like this before. Let's talk to some people I know and in areas that I'm familiar in conversing in. And then from there, it just basically just was word of mouth, like, you know, through the socials, mostly Instagram is my main platform. Um, and I just, I just, hunt people down by hashtags basically <laughs> like creative mum artistic mum all this sort of stuff mum guilt identity all this sort of stuff and I just message people and say hey I'm doing this podcast do you want to come on and pretty much everyone would say yes the only people that have said no are people who perhaps question themselves in their creative ability so I had some people say oh I'm not a cre I don't do I'm not creative I'm not the person that you want to talk to I'm like that's okay that's you know that's something that you're you're holding in your head or heart but I can see you are so that's why I asked you but that's okay I, and I never force anyone you know I have people I've been back to a couple of times just to give them a nudge and then they have come on and they've been very pleased that they did so <laughs> but it's just like I just think it's so important to like my my motto is like it doesn't matter if you got you know one follower or a million followers like no one is more worthy than anyone else to have their story shared um, you know, we're all in this mothering thing together. We're all just being lumped in and we're feeling our way through and finding our way. And the most sort of supportive thing I find is that everybody is is feeling the same way. You know, we're all struggling. We've all got things we're not sure of. We all have questions about mum guilt and identity, how we're supposed to feel. Are we allowed to complain about this? You know, should we just be so grateful that we have children and we never complain? So it's breaking down these sort of, cultural norms I suppose which is one of my favorite things to do and question things and say why do we feel like this you know is it because of the way we were raised if our parents or our mothers felt like they couldn't complain so we got conditioned to this or is it something coming from outside of society putting on us this guilt trip and so I, I find I love talking to people anyway because I'm always really fascinated about why people do what they do um, I work in early childhood education and I'm always fascinated 
why kids do what they do. So I'm sort of always, I'm always looking deeper for things. Um, and I know you're the same. <laughs> um, it's like you can't just accept things for face value. There's always got to be a reason for something happening. Um, so I, I love doing that with my guests. And, you know, people are, I had a really lovely comment the other day. I do a couple of Father's Day episodes each year just for a bit of fun, you know, something a bit different. And um, the Steve Davis, who I had on, who's a, an interviewer himself who creates podcasts as well, he said that I got under his skin, that he shared more things that he would usually share. So I was like, that is an awesome um, thing to hear, you know. That's that's awesome. I'm glad I do that because I that's what I want to do. I agree with that. I can attest to that. <laughs> Why do you think uh, – I mean, I just love that you had this thought and then you, you actually did it. Like you, you're, you actually, <laughs> how many episodes have you done now so far? Uh, I think well, the 63rd one's coming out to, um, mm-hmm. this week, but I've got probably half a dozen, yeah. you know, sitting there to roll out. So yeah. Yeah. So July last year, I reckon it was July, about mid July. It, it started and yeah, I had a bit of a break over Christmas. Yeah. Just I thought, pardon me, maybe not everyone would be in listening mode. But then I thought, you know what, I'll just I'll keep pumping them out. So pretty much every week, um, yeah. But it, I, ne- I need that though. Like I need something to do, and if I'm not doing my singing, because um, that can't be ongoing all the time. I'm sort of stop and start a little bit with this album I'm doing. I ne- I need to do something. I can't not do something that's just my mentality yeah. I suppose. can you speak about this this craving to to connect over this I know you said that like it's like I can't be the only one I can't be like it's like you're driving around and the world is still spinning and you're feeling like I don't even know like your skin's gonna fall off <laughs> it's like what's happening um uh, personally, for me, in having the conversations that I have, I feel almost surprised, but not surprised that every time I make a genuine connection with someone and I have those conversations that are deeper than service level, I get revved up and excited and shocked every time. But it's not shocking that we all relate so deeply to each other. But why are we always so shocked by it? Yeah, that's really interesting. It blows my mind. The fact we've got social media now, we're meant to be more connected than we've ever been. But we still, we're not. You know what I mean? Like we still don't know what's going on. And I think, I feel like there's a lot of, um, what's the word? People don't want to share honestly. I think people feel like they're going to be judged. Um, And I've had a lot of issues and background with mental wellness and mental health issues. And the best thing I've ever done is talk about them because it gives someone else the ability then to say, it's not just me, maybe I can talk about this. You know, it helps roll it along. So I've gotten over any sort of fear of worrying what people think of me. Um, And that came through with my singing too. Like for many years I used to sing in groups and as a soloist, we'd perform and be judged and critiqued. So I've spent my life being judged and people telling me what they think of me. And I just don't care. Like, I just think it's more of a reflection on the person that's giving that feedback or giving that response than what it is 
about me. So I just want people to share their stuff and not be afraid. Um, and I guess that's how I feel like this this podcast can give people, and you're the same, like you give people the opportunity to share as much or as little as they wish. But I feel like just by doing that, someone else that hears that and then goes, oh, okay, so that's normal. Maybe I can talk about this. So then they talk about it and then someone else hears it. So it rolls on and rolls on and rolls on um, because we're not going to change things if we don't talk about them. You know, it's the way I sort of see it is like, I don't know, you can go out and protest about things or whatever whatever things you're passionate about. You can get on the street and do your thing and that's really good in that moment. But then if you don't continue with that for whatever it is, whatever's passionate to you, I feel like lots and lots of tiny little actions snowball up and create change because there certainly is this generation of women um, and mothers are really vocal um, and I know you guys over there, like there's been a lot of issues um, we've seen in the media over here that you guys have had to have your voices heard, I suppose. Yeah, we just, we have we have to do something, you know what I mean? It's like I've just, I get I get frustrated about things not changing, but then it's like if you don't, cha- if you don't do something, nothing changes. So that's sort of where I come from. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that it makes me kind of, go back to what you said in passing in the beginning um, that I also strongly agree with about how you said um, you believe everyone's an artist and whatever they're doing is a form of their art. Um, It's not, you know, some people have a hard time relating to the word creative or artist. Um, But I do believe that it's really anyone and anything. It's just, what is that thing for you? And I think this idea of, giving voice and encouraging the sharing of it um, is tied really strongly with this idea, at least for me, that it doesn't have to be someone that has, you know, is at the top of their Mount Everest and knows what they're doing. Like I find so much power and value and honestly more so in the things that aren't all flushed out yet. Um, Something that I've been wrestling with lately is this, idea that I've been doing some very deep work on myself in many different ways. But just the other week, I had like a punch in the face from the universe when I realized some like codependent tendency I've had my whole life. And I've never resonated with that word ever. And I realized it's because the only conversations I've had about that were, um, on the more like severe, very blatant, obvious type of behavioral things and whatever. And I just like always let it glaze past me. But someone had said a brief aside of something and referenced it as codependency. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's me. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And it like whirled me around. <laughs> and then I've just ever since have just been really just falling into this thought about how important it is for people and me and whoever to not just sit and wait until they feel like they have something good enough to say, you know, like something polished enough or something that feels like, Oh, I have all of, all of the background story perfectly articulated. Like I think that there's so much value in getting out and just talking about what lights you up and what 
pisses you off and what, you know, whatever it is, because it, it breathes mm. this power into other people. Um, so it's not just the people that are winning Grammys or whatever that you hear talking. It's, yeah. it's people that feel a little bit more in your reach. Yeah. I think that's true. People that they're relatable and they're in your space. Like, um, when you, you said they're about waiting till you're ready. Um, I had a, a lady that was going to be on my podcast and she wanted to wait a little bit longer. I can't remember the reasoning, but the sense that I got was that I'm not, look, I don't know, but I said to her, look, you, you do it when you're ready. That's okay. But I feel, sort of feel like the whole idea of this is to do it right now, you know, because motherhood's, wherever you are in motherhood, you're going to have all these different stages that are going to change and going to be challenging in their own way. And it's like you in the trenches now with a newborn, if you're capable of sharing now, that is going to help someone, right? Um, so there's nothing bad about that, if you know what I mean. Like you don't have to wait till your baby sleeps through the night or you don't have to wait till they're potty trained. Or you, you know what I mean? There doesn't have to be this end goal before it's time for you to share what you want to share. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And I've been seeing a lot of quotes lately about, I'm not sure about how people feel about manifestation. I know some people can feel like that's a dirty word, but I saw this thing the other day about you can, if you imagine how you feel, how you're going to feel when you get whatever you want, whatever that is, a million dollars, like, you know, something really basic, how are you going to feel? And the energy that you put out and the vibes that you have when you feel that good, if you can imagine that, you're halfway there to getting what you want because it's not the thing that you want. It's not the actual physical thing that will make you better. It's feeling that mm-hmm. way that will make you feel better. If, does that make sense? I feel like I've just rambled. You know, like, and that's why I think when you feel good, you keep feeling good because you've got that feeling of, I feel really good. And you, you'll do whatever you need to subconsciously, perhaps too, to keep that feeling. So it's like you just vibe off yourself. I don't know where I was, that was coming from, but. That point of doing things before you're ready. Don't wait till something awesome happens to feel good. Just feel good. That's really simplistic. But it's really you know I mean? hilarious that you say that because I was doing, <laughs> I'm in this wonderful coaching program yeah. and I was doing one of my reflections. And I was like, I think that I've realized that I have a hard time tolerating feeling good. I, I just think about the things that when something good comes, I've recognized how quickly I'm like, great, but this is going to happen. Great. But now this, it's like, I cannot sit in the good. And, um, and then on the tail end of that, I was just thinking about how, how under pressure I felt recently just in life. And then I zoom out and I think, wow, this is pretty much the life I've always wanted. Like I'm, I don't have a full-time corporate job. I'm doing the work that I care about so much, but what, so I have all of this except for this part. So now I can't be feel free and at peace and calm until this part happens. But then once that happens, surely there's going to be something else, (laughs) you know? So when are we going to stop giving ourselves (laughs) reasons why we can't, feel good yet yeah 
it's like when people say, oh, when I lose such and such kilos, I'll, I'll be happy then or, you know, you're always putting your faith in something else. But, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting this out sort of external validation that humans need to feel good. It's like we can't feel good unless someone else allows us to feel good or tells us we can feel good. I, I was thinking this the other day, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I discovered this thing many years ago to try and get a child to understand their place in the world or their, we call them windows, learning windows, where they where they sit with, within a group or within a social setting. If someone hurts someone else's feelings, you'd say, oh, can you see that you've made them sad? And I started thinking about not using that lately because it's up to that child if they feel sad or not. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not up to whatever behaviour was put on them. They might not actually feel sad. We sort of, as an adult, you sort of you realise that you're responsible for how you feel yourself. It doesn't matter if someone is treating you a certain way. You don't actually have to take on that emotion or whatever they're putting at you. Sorry, I'm not articulating. I'm tracking with you completely. Everyone's still with me. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like no one else is responsible for how you feel but you. And I feel like from a really early age we're taught that your response is determined by someone else. I find myself tripping over my words when I'm trying to navigate a situation with my son who's four now and I feel like everything I go to say everything that I've heard a million times before to me and around me I'm like I keep I don't want to say that but I don't even know I don't even know what to say like I don't like there's so many things like he hurt his brother and it's like say you're sorry but wait are you sorry but you didn't mean I don't know like it's I'm very aware that this stuff is like stemmed from I just saw someone that posted on Instagram. It was like a role playing of like a mom and her daughter, and it's like the, the dreaded "be a good girl." We have company. Smile. Give so and so a hug. Like just all of these things. No tears, and it's just yeah. I feel like there's so much beautiful awareness of cycles that we're aware of cycles that we don't want to continue on but I'm also a little bit stumped about what to do better that still feels productive oftentimes I find myself wanting to just be silent like not silent but like sit with my kid and see what he has to say like I don't I less and less want to be the one that's saying something. And I don't know if that's because I'm stumped. I don't know if that's an intuitive thing. I don't even know yet. Yeah. But that's, I mean, whatever it is, just go with it because that's, you know, I feel like that, what you're saying, like we get brought up with all these things around us. And then I think that's what a lot of this mum guilt comes from because you've got these expectations on you to do things a certain way and raise your child a certain way and have them come out a certain way and if they don't that's a reflection on you and then you get all this stuff from social media depending on who you follow about oh you shouldn't say this or you should say that or blah 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 and then you, you literally feel like like what you're saying you like you go to say something and you go oh, oh shit, yeah. I didn't say that 
because that'll do whatever. Oh, no, don't say that. Cause it, and it's like whatever happened to just like what you're saying, this intuitiveness yeah. is coming out of you. This is your true mothering coming out. And it's like we've lost that. We've lost that just intuitiveness of, I don't know, because we've got all this stuff being stuffed into us and told us what to do and what to do and what to do and what not to do. Yeah. I don't know. There's so much. There's so much there. I want to yeah. hear a little bit more about your background in, in you said early childhood development, but, but still, um, also the music, also the music that you create. And I'm wondering if there's a, I'm, I'm assuming there's a, tr- a through line between um, your music, your craft, and, you know, what has come out of you in this podcast as well. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, um, yeah, first up, I worked in early childhood care for nearly 10 years. Um, I discovered after I had my first son, I'd always worked in offices like reception and typing and stuff and I just thought I don't want to do that anymore I want something different and I thought well I enjoy looking after my son maybe I'll enjoy looking after other people's children and it turned out to be the best thing I ever did um, because it meets my needs of wanting to care and and nurture which is a really strong need that I have a hands-on sort of need Um, and that also what I briefly talked about earlier about analyzing and psychology and stuff like I have a really deep need to know why things happen and why people do what they do and and question things so um it meets those needs and um yeah I've worked in I worked in a child daycare setting for nine years and I've recently started working in a kindergarten like a, a preschool I don't know what you guys call it over there but um yeah so I'm there now working with uh preschool age children and it's just so amazing I just love it and it's I swear I was put on this earth to do it, but I had to do all these other things to get to this point, (laughs) which is also a little frustrating. But I don't think, honestly, I could have done it any earlier in my life. I had to be a mother of at least one and and have a bit more time under my belt, I think, before I did it. But, um, yeah, so my singing, I started singing when I was five. Um, My first gig, (laughs) gig, I put that in inverted quotes, um, I sang it at my my primary school's Christmas concert and I have like distinct memories of the teacher holding the microphone for me and it, she wasn't holding it in the right spot. So I remember moving her hand closer. So that, that's a bit of background into my level of need to control things, which has gotten better over the years. But that's, you know, you can't do it, do it properly, you know. I feel like that's my dad coming out. Um. But yeah, I look. I've sang in choirs. I've sang in vocal groups. I've sang in small ensembles. I've sang in rock bands, um, solo stuff at weddings, at venues around town. And my sister and I have done a lot of stuff together. She's a very similar voice. I'm slightly lower, and she's slight. No, she's slightly lower, and I'm slightly higher. And we blend really, really well. Um, she usually sings the tune. I sing a harmony. Pardon me. We've got a pretty good thing going on, so we still sing at weddings and and things like that. So um, yeah, and I write and record uh, music. Pardon me. Um, this I'll show you. This is my first album that came out in 2019. That's my horsey. 
I got someone to draw for me. Um, so it's called Heart Songs. And so every song, if they're not love songs necessarily, some of them are love songs, but it's about experiences that I've had. So I, at that point I was writing very strongly from things that I'd seen or done. Um, and it's a very, I won't say it's folk, but it's borderline. There's a lot of guitar. Um, there's a couple of up, real upbeat, nice sort of songs. There's a lot of ballads and piano stuff. Um, so that was 2019 and then I've started parking back to my experience with postnatal depression that I had after both my children but more so after my second one. I'm working on an album at the moment called Wolf, like the big bad wolf, um, and it's going to be about six or seven tracks all about my experience. So it runs chronologically from when it was first coming on. So the first song's called Things Are About To Get Dark, so it's like, Look out, it's coming back again. It's going to get you. Sorry, I talk about this so lightly now, but it's not a funny subject at all. Um, And then it sort of runs chronologically till I get well and get better and and things are, I won't say back to normal because I don't think you're ever back to normal after an experience like that, but in a tolerable, manageable, living your life every day sort of way. So, yeah, I'm working on that with um, my producers are in Spain and Argentina. So I sit here in my little studio at home, record my vocals and send them off to them and they mash it all together, the magic of the internet, and then send me back a song. And it's just it's a such a great experience because I live uh, 500 k's between two major cities um, and it's not accessible for me to travel. Like I've got two kids, you know, um, to upend my life for weeks at a time to go record in studios because we really don't have that sort of stuff down here so um it's really great and I really wish this and I, I shouldn't say this I'm saying it again but if the internet had to come around earlier I feel like I could have done so much more with my music but it's like I'm 44 and it's you know you're doing it there. you're doing it but you know what I mean it's like I felt so held back for so long Oh, the tyranny of distance. And I never wanted to leave home. Like I've lived in this town my whole life. My parents are here. My sister's here with her family. I just, I think why, it's almost like a a defiance. Like why should I have to move to do this? I can make this work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's bloody mindedness. It's, I'm going to do it here. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just fun. It's satisfying. I love it. Um you know, it's just, and through the podcast, it's got me into different sorts of creativity. So I've been doing some painting and uh, acrylic painting and watercolour painting because I've learned so much about different practices that I've just thought, stuff this, I'm going to have a crack at it. And I find that's a really soothing way uh, to nurture myself when I need a bit of space, when I'm not ready to, you know, edit something or record something, I can fluff around with some paint. So it's been amazing for me. It's been a really amazing experience for me and let alone meeting amazing people, like seriously, some amazing, amazing souls that I've met around the world. It's just amazing. It's Sorry, it's so amazing. It, it really is a world opener. It, it truly is. Oh, um, man. You know, I'm really curious because with your craft, so my craft is photography and it's like, I feel like I am able when I'm doing that to say what I want to say, even though I don't have the words to say it, but I do it through the photos. But you, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
actually have words in your craft. So how is that, like, as you talk about how fascinated you are with, like, mm-hmm. getting underneath and, like, you know, finding the meaning, the deeper meaning in all of it. Um, what is that process like for you? What does it feel like for you to be able to like take your own experiences and channel it into, into art? But this art is, is still pretty, um, I don't know what's in the word. Uh, I mean, literal because you're singing words. Um, right. (laughs) So how does that, that storytelling go in your song? It's yeah. Look, it's interesting. Um, I, these tracks are very literal. Like it's, you've sort of under no illusions mm-hmm. what's happening in these tracks, right? The the lyrics are quite explicit, I guess, in that way. But what I wanted to do, this deeper stuff, which which I love, is use the the actual instruments and the sound effects and any sort of distortion or that sort of stuff to paint the picture and to continue to, mm. to tell the story. So uh, in a few tracks we've got some really like, I don't even know how to describe, but particular sound effects that hark back to, I don't want to say someone losing their mind, but you can literally tell, if you listen to the backings without me mm. singing, you would know that someone's having a bit of a difficult time keeping right. themselves together. Uh, and I'm saying that in the nicest possible way. Um, because I've lived this, I can laugh yeah. at this now, and I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm making light of it, and I'm certainly not. But you know, changing the sound of my voice, there's some there's some parts in tracks where it sounds like, um, you know, there's some distortion placed on my vocal, so it doesn't sound mm-hmm. quite right. So those little tweaks that make that that's how it sort of connects. Like things aren't normal here. Things aren't smooth sailing. There's all these bumps in the road you know, literally I'm not sounding how I normally sound, like things like that to tell the story. Um, but it's interesting, I've with my painting, I found it really difficult when I first started painting to work out how I'd express myself because I'm so used to doing it with words. So I was like, but how do you get that across? How do you, how do people know what you mean? You know, this sort of stuff. And then I, I spoke to an artist and, and she said, it's not about them knowing what you mean, it's about you putting down how you felt, and then they can interpret it however they like. So it's been different for me to get my head around this different um, mediums. It's, yeah, it's more about, and I mean, there's some songs you'd listen to of mine and you're not quite exactly quite sure what's going on, so people take what they need from that. But it's literally like I'll show you um, this painting I've been working on. Um, This so what I did was this was the day that I got really annoyed with my husband because I started a new job and I needed help getting the kids to school on a particular day because I, the, the, my work started at 8.30 and so did their school. And so we had this massive conversation about, well, he was basically saying, well, my job's more important because I earn more and it always will be. Um, so I can't, you know, be 10 minutes late for my work. And I was just like, hang on a second. Like, we're, we're supposed to raise the children and you want us to work, but then when we try and work, you don't actually help us or make it easy for us to do that. I was so wild. And that painting was the result of it. It was like this big black thing. I never paint in black. So it was like literally this 
frustration and I made a great big Instagram post about it about I'm so annoyed right now and I was painting 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 um and I had the orange that's in it was I was playing around before I'd even started with that I just had a blank canvas and I was playing with this technique of swooshing this orange paint I thought I'm gonna leave that there because that's like me trying to break through you know like this is how I was I was I was making this. And then I actually I have a lot of old music, like really old music. I don't even know how I got it. And I was looking through it and I was finding words that was describing how I was feeling. And there was a song, I don't even know I can find it, but a particular song about who's taking you home tonight or it was from the men's point of view of like they would sort out the mm. women, the girls would be looked after by the men. It was like this is bullshit. We could sort our own way to go home. Like, you know, I was really going at it. So I tore them up and I stuck it on. You can't see them now, which is fine. It's in there, you know, and I just I went back to it over and over and I might still go back to it if I'm really, you know, riled up one day. I went back to it the day Tommy Lee did his dick pic because that really annoyed me. <laughs> You're getting um, frustration. You know, and that's – and so now <laughs> – yeah, like – I don't know. It's like now I've I've learned another yeah. way to express myself, which is yeah. really good. So that's another tool that I've got to to help me work through things when I need to. So it's, it's a win, you know. It's, it's so funny because I'm sitting here like, how do you use actual words? How did you're like, how do you not use words? <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is that's the thing that challenges me. Like I'm so used to using words. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. But isn't it, uh, I could just feel, even though I don't have um, experience in that, in that um, craft, just the way you're describing it, like to be able to um, utilize things that you wouldn't normally utilize, like just like a little voice distortion or, you know, X, Y, Z to really support the story and the feeling. There's just no other feeling than seeing something or hearing something that you've made and knowing the experience you've had and being like, that's it. Like, that's it. Um, it reminds me of, um, so I, sometimes I talk about when I went through my postpartum depression, um, there were the pictures I took because, you know, my mom was there taking a photo and I was smiling and I really hated everything in the world. (laughs) And the, the pictures I took where, it was in the middle of the night and I don't know why on earth I was even taking a picture. I was just listening to myself and just snapping a photo and I look like absolute hell. But those are the ones that I feel like I feel comforted in. I feel like I respond to in a way that it's like, I feel compassion for myself. I can see how far I've come. And I look at the ones that I was putting on a face and it doesn't represent anything I went through. And it makes me wildly uncomfortable. Like, even though they look quote unquote better, like physically of me, I guess, Mm. but like, it makes me so uncomfortable to see such a disjointed representation of like what was actually going on. So I don't, I don't really think that there can Mm. be a more, I, I, I don't know, healing thing than to be able to like lean into whatever it is that you're feeling compelled to do or make or create, um, from that place because once you're in a different place later and you look back on that I mean there's just transformation that can happen in that reflection yeah and I find like this the topic I'm singing about is very 
heavy. And I think this is why it's it's taken nearly two two years just to get four songs done because I get very reluctant to actually sing them um, because they were written at a time when I wasn't that great. And so then to have to go back into that headspace and relive that to project what I want to come out is really hard to do. So often I'll put it off and I'll just, I'm not the sort of person that puts pressure on myself Mm -hmm. to have things done by a certain time. When it comes to something enjoyable, I think it should be enjoyable. You shouldn't be like, oh no, I've got to do this when it's a fun thing. So I don't put pressure on myself and my production team know that. So they're not banging on the they're not like messaging what's going on, what's going on. They're like, when it's when you're ready, you're ready. So that's been really hard. Um, but I want to do them justice. I don't want them to come out half baked when you won't get the whole experience of it. You know what I mean? The delivery of my vocal needs to be very, very authentic to get my So what does that look like for you? Like yeah. is that like like do you set your your scene like what does that look like for you like when when that does happen like those few songs that you're like okay now is the time what is it that compels you to do it yeah well usually I'm feeling down if I'm feeling crap if I'm having like you know on the waves I'm I'm on a downward bit that's always a good start <laughs> um, and then often I will listen to the other tracks that I've finished to make me get mm-hmm. back in that space. Um, and it's not nice. I don't mm-hmm. like doing it, but I, I'm very compelled to finish this. I want to get it out there because it's it's so, look, and same with the podcast, like it opens an opportunity for conversation and for potential healing for other people. And I feel like it will be it will be one of the moments where when this is done, it will be a, a weight mm-hmm. lifted off me. Um, it will, and it has helped me work through things over the years. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you just got to get into it. You just got to get yourself down there, which isn't fun. And then make sure you got something else at the other end to mm-hmm. help you get back up again. So, um, yeah, doing it during mm-hmm. the day is good. Um, because then it's light mm-hmm. when I'm finished. Um, that's important. Pardon me not to do it at night. Um, yeah. And then just to waltz back out into life and get on with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's good fun. It's, uh, I think that this idea of, I just feel like the most important things have this bittersweet quality to them to begin with. And I love how you have, um, like, I don't know, a structure may not be the right word, but like, you know, the things that have to be in place or that you want in place. Like, I'm not going to force myself into this, but when I'm feeling it, I will lean in and that will be the thing. It should be light out. <laughs> like you're, you're doing the things to like keep yourself safe, but also oh, yeah. honor the, the work that you are doing and your very specific, um, authentic vision for it. And it's beautiful. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good way of describing it. I am keeping mm-hmm. myself safe, but I am making sure that it does come out mm-hmm. the way I want it to come out. Yeah, because it will lose its impact. If it doesn't, if it's not authentic, I'll feel like it's a wasted opportunity. Um, and even when I, one of the songs, um, I can't even remember what song it was now, Pieces mm-hmm. of My Pain, um, that that I put it into a singing, uh, a song competition last year and it, uh, I went to Adelaide and performed it and it won the state final. 
And even performing that, you know, you 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 sort of go into like a almost like an mm. acting phase, like where you've got to deliver this song and deliver this message. It's a really upbeat but very dark song. Um, so even that just took a lot out of me. It was like oh, I need a drink. Like this was just really, it was oh really. Is there a video of this? I want to see it. <laughs> Oh, look, there's a really, really poor quality video oh. that my husband took because um, he's not very really switched on with things sometimes. But, you know, it's like you just do what you got to do. I don't know. And then that was finished and I had the opportunity then to sing it in the national final in Sydney, but COVID went crazy. And so I got in touch. I, I basically hired someone to sing it for me, someone who lived in Sydney already. Um, and performed it. So it got to be sang at the final, oh. which I was pleased about. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard, I don't know, because these things, these experiences, and you'd be the same with, with your photography, like these experiences are so personal and they're a piece of you. Um, and it's hard sometimes letting it out for other people to see, but I feel like it's really important to do that, that I feel compelled to put aside any sort of, I don't know, preciousness of myself and go, look, this is for the greater good. You know what I mean? Like if this helps one person, then I'm, you know, a happy, happy person. I'm, you know, I want to invoke change and I want to empower people and particularly women and mothers that, you know, they they can get help if they need it and, they can, and what they're feeling is mm-hmm. normal. You know, you're not a bad person for having certain mm-hmm. thoughts. It's normal. You know, I want I want that to come across. And the fact that, you know, mental health issues can can affect anybody, like it doesn't matter who you are in life, where you're born or your upbringing or your parents or anything, you know, social status or, you know, monetary status, if your brain is wired that way, that will happen to you and there's no shame in that. That's the biggest thing, I think, like this shame thing that we're also afraid of saying mm-hmm. we need help, you know. We should be capable of sorting stuff out. We shouldn't have to ask for help, you know. Um, and even in a conversation, the podcast actually that's coming out on Friday with Fleur Harris, we were talking about the fact that I think we've lost the ability as mothers to ask for help just to say, can you look after my child? Because it's like, well, he's your child. You should make sure that you're not gone so you can look after. You know, mm-hmm. this judgment thing um, is so strong that it sort of quietens us and makes us not want to speak up. So, yeah. yeah, it's just I, I remember going back to my work after my maternity leave and it's like this feeling of like, must perform as if nothing ever happened as if a human didn't come out of my body and I wasn't just feeding him from my body before I left mm-hmm. and like it's just it's it's absolutely yeah insane yeah it's insane yeah mm. I would get out yeah that's actually one of my favorite quotes um that I like to share um is that that you said that you had to tell them that, no, it wasn't okay, Um, so that someone would then realise, because whatever they'd been heard or been taught, that it's like going on maternity leave, it's great, you have a great rest and it's all good fun and whatever, 
And it's like, um, no. So by you saying that, that changes that one person and then that might, then they might change the next person. You know what I mean? That disrupting of the, the patterns. Um, it's really interesting when you just said about this, that you're expected to have this work life. And regardless of the fact that you were just feeding your child, now you're supposed to just waltz in and switch on. There's a, a podcast, um, a lady I had on the podcast called um, Dr. Sophie um, Brock. She's amazing. She's a motherhood studies sociologist based here in Sydney. And she's got a podcast called um, The oh. Good Enough Mother, it's called. So it's breaking down all those stereotypes of what makes a good mother. Um, and she had a guest on called Amy Taylor Kabatz. Um, on episode 79 and she was saying the exact same thing that it's like society expects us to just do the mothering role and then switch that off and then go into work and your work life doesn't um, you know coexist at all they're two completely separate things and until that changes you know mothers are just going to keep getting almost like treated like mm-hmm. second class citizens that it's like oh, off you go you go do that baby stuff you go do that house stuff as not as if that is actually what's keeping society going, you know. <laughs> oh, I even think back, <laughs> even though I had, you know, I really took a strong um, stance in like being honest about my experience. I, I'm still almost haunted by, you know, even in the moment, it's like, you know, those things where you look back and you're like in the shower and you're like, well, what I should have fucking said was, we had like a special, yeah, yeah. a special like testing thing that we had to do for work. And anyway, this location wasn't my normal location for work. It was like, it was like a 30 minute Uber Lyft drive outside the city, like in the lower, whatever. It was hard to get to. I was still nursing before I had to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, X, Y, Z, whatever. So. I had been, I had been, I don't know, like 15 minutes late. People were still around having coffee, whatever. Then the following week, I was like pulled into a meeting and the, the director was like, are you, um, are you having, I just want to first ask, are you having stuff going on at home? I'm like, he's like, I just want to, you know, be able to support you if so. But like, it's not like you to show up late, but you're a leader here and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't, at the moment I was so like, cause I'm, you know, one of those people that like, you know, to a fault, pride myself on like, blah, 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 blah. and I was like, felt was so filled with shame. <laughs> and then I was like startled by it. I was like, what? Cause like no one's ever had to talk to me about something like that. And I just kept thinking, is something going on at home? Yeah. I have, I have, do you know what it's like to have something have to suck on your nipples fast enough? You have to be like, okay, are you almost done? Are you almost done? Cause I got to go. My cab's coming and I got to go. I was like, what? Like, it's just, I mean, we've, we found our way here. Didn't we? <laughs> so mad. Like, and it's just, you know, what, what drives me wild is that like the ignorance of that, like, I'm, I'm sure that that person, fine person, thought they were coming at it from a, a caring place, the way they entered the conversation. Is there something going on at home? It's just, it's just a whole world of absolute disbelief, like the lack of understanding. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, yeah, that's what I was about to say. It just shows that incredible lack of understanding, just no concept whatsoever. Yeah, it's astounding, isn't it? And that's that's what we're up against. So what would you say is, you know, having done talked to all these amazing women that, like, have this kind of commonality amongst us, like, what would you say is, like, one of the biggest common threads or, like, the strongest um messages that you found amongst all of the uh, interviews you've done or something that surprised you in talking to this many women? Um, I've got to say mum guilt is one of those big things um, and surprised me was the other day when I spoke to this um, uh, Fleur Harris, whose episode's coming out on Friday. She had to Google what it meant because she didn't feel it and I was like, That's this amazing. is fantastic. This is what I want people to this is what I want people to have to do. It's like, what is that? What is that thing? And I just I was so pleased. Um it's just wonderful. And I've had a couple of mums on that have been like, I don't feel it. Um, they might not feel it in terms of their creativity, but then they might feel it in terms of their um general mothering role. Um, but yeah, mum guilt's one of those horrible things because like I was saying earlier, I feel like we're conditioned to it by expectation. And the interesting thing with Fleur is that she never read any parenting yes. books. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't have, I don't think she had anyone else around her that had children at that time. Her brother and her sister both had children soon after or around the time, but she didn't have people around her. So it was like she was in this nice little bubble that didn't allow her to get influenced by other things and then therefore feel judgment if she did or didn't do those things. So I feel like that's the key to this mum guilt is getting rid of these expectations of how we're supposed to do things. Like we were saying before about what you're supposed to say yeah. to your child if something happens or, you know, these whoever made these things, we've got to, we've got to ditch it. We've got to change the, the story of that. Get back to nurturing from what feels good for you. I know, in, like, you know, social media is great, you know, it allows us to connect, but it does bring up that opportunity for so much judgment um so I feel like we've all just got to you know take things with a grain of salt and remember that Instagram and and things on social media aren't necessarily Mm -hmm. real life I know a lot of people are sharing more things in real life now the honest stuff which is awesome um but yeah I don't know yeah and and identity shift is another big one that that um that, that is a repetitive sort of topic that I do love to talk about how how you saw yourself I've always been this particular person but just because you have a child why does that change you or how does that change you or does it change you or do you have to work really hard to not let it change you or did you love that it changed you oh, know yeah. you know everyone's so different and particularly creatives you know if you're if you are a person who's created your whole life um you know, you'll find a way to create. You will make it work. And that that's the thing I love. I love hearing from people that those practicalities as well, how do you physically mm-hmm. do it? You know, that's something that, that people like to share. And I think people like to hear that too is like, oh, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought of it that way. You know, I had a big shift um, in the way that I saw my creativity. Uh, I can't remember whose episode it was, but someone said one little thing and I went, oh, okay, I can look at it that way. You know, just these little tiny shifts that can help us along the way. So I just think it's great. The more sharing we do, the more we talk about things, the breaking down this the stigma attached to, to guilt, um, you know, because you, you are allowed to, you know, this ambivalence of motherhood, you know, we're allowed to be really fed up with our child's behaviour and want them to sit up and eat their tea. 
and love them at the same time. You know, there's these all these things that make it so conflicting mm-hmm. and confusing. And that's also what I think society wants a yes or a no. Society wants a black or a white. It wants an answer. It doesn't want mm-hmm. these grey areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and businesses, you know, if you're working for someone, they don't want you to say, oh, I might come in tomorrow or I might not. You know, it's just the way the world works. It wants It wants certainty. And motherhood doesn't offer that. So I think that's where things get thrown up a bit and and things can get challenged. Well, so funny because certainty is also, yeah. it's such an illusion. Like, you know, it's the, it's the, oh, the, yeah. the desire to control. It's just because you want safety. But it's like there's risks in every single thing. It's just the ones that you're, uh, uh, that are more normalized or the ones that you're numb to. You know, getting in your car every day, going to work, blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. It's just the ones that the most amount of people decided, well, that's a normal, that's a normal thing to do. (laughs) And this idea of like sharing and sharing and sharing, it's, it just goes back to representation. It's like, you know, I, I love seeing the support for the bottle feeding and also the breastfeeding too much of when you see too much of one thing, then the other, you know, there's like a, a negative impact on the other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just this, this more, more, this yeah. more representation out there so that more people can find, you know, glimmers of themselves out into the world and feel like they're less on an Island. Yes, absolutely. That's it, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you, you find where, yeah, it, it is that it's representation. It literally is. There's just no, no end to this conversation so I don't know I don't even know how to end it because there is no end this is just this is the theme of this conversation more of these need to happen we just need to have more conversations Mm -hmm. that don't feel like they have to be polished that don't feel like they're about something that's specifically launching or coming out no it's a conversation for conversation's sake yeah exactly and I look honestly if anyone's interested in just hearing good conversation just listening to this raw stuff that's where the good stuff comes out you know it's not when someone's rehearsed a speech you know 20 times it's it's this back and forth and the stuff that just just organically comes out that's where the good oh my gosh it's like (laughs) yeah it's actually like uh this idea of like sometimes i'll hear people like oh i would you know it would be cool to have a podcast but i think i'd run out of things to say I'm like noted. Um, anytime I'd say, yeah, I lost my train of thought, never cutting that out again. Cause I want people to know, yeah, you lose your train of thought. So what? Like, <laughs> so what? <laughs> Wait, or like when we pause, we're like, how did we get here? I don't know, but we're here. Now we're moving on. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you say that. I've, when I first started my podcast, I used to polish it up so much. I'd take out all the little bits yeah. and bobs. And even now, I've started leaving in when the kids yep. interrupt me or someone else's kids interrupt. Just a little snippet because it's like literally this is the life mm-hmm. of a mother. Your time mm-hmm. is not your own. You, you have no control over <laughs> what those children do sometimes, even if you've set them up with whatever. Um, so I've started leaving that stuff in because I feel like it's just so much more authentic and nothing's ever perfect. So it's a good representation. Oh, my gosh. Of doing, it, doing it messy is the only, and it's the only way that it even is possible to keep going. That is why I'm coming to you from my, I don't, when I first started the podcast, I bought a microphone, I got the headphones. 
I'm like, I can't. If I had to promise myself that every time I recorded an episode, I would have the microphone and the headphones and blah, blah, blah. I, I would have stopped at episode four, you know? So it's just like down and dirty. Like this is the only way that yeah. this thing is going to live on. So that's just how it has to come. <laughs> yep. That's oh it. You make gosh. it work. Allison, can you please tell us where we can find your podcast? I will put all of uh, the links in the show notes. Um, and if we can, if there's a place where we can find and listen to your music. Yeah, for sure. So um, alisonnewman.net is my main page. So Allison has one L and Newman is N-E-W-M-A-N, just nice and plain <laughs> and boring. And uh, alisonnewman.net slash podcast is the landing page for the podcast. And from there, there's so much information on the front screen. I feel like I should take some of it off. But anyway, I like putting things on. Um, and you can find, you know, the links to, to browse all the episodes or you can search by the person you're looking for or, or whatever. And, um, yeah, I've also got some, um, like, anyone's episode, like, with, with what you do, Bianca, it's the show notes, all the whatever we chat about is in there. So if you hear something and you go, oh, what's that about? Probably chances are I've put a link to it in the show notes because I was interested in it too. So, <laughs> so yeah, and um, then you can find the links to the Instagram um, for my singing and for my podcast. So yeah, just have a bit of a fluff around. It's I love my pod uh, my web page. Like I do, I do it on Wix, and I just I love fiddling around and putting all the links and all the photos. It's probably spend way too much time on it for what it gets looked at, but. If you've got time. I love it. I love it. I love it. And you will have to come back whenever you finish your album. Oh, you have to come back. You have to. I'd love to. I cannot wait. Yes. It will be a momentous. Yeah. Whenever it is, I cannot wait to hear all about it. Thank you so much, Allison. If you enjoyed this episode and want to get in on actual conversations with me, join the Help Me See podcast private Facebook group. Every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be hopping on live for Q&A on the latest episode and for free consulting if you need a bit of help thinking about ways to save your memories. Did you get something out of this episode? I really, really, really hope you did. And I would love to hear from you. I'm on a mission to empower you to feel peace knowing that you are not missing your life. One of the best ways that you can support me is leaving a review. And honestly, I'd rather hear about the memory you saved because of this podcast rather than any kind of accolade. Tell me how this podcast has impacted you. And one, I'll probably cry. <laughs> and two, I'd love to give you a shout out on the show. Take a minute and head out to the link in the bio to write a review now on the podcast.